You know, one of my favorite things in the summer is to have a nice cold glass of lemonade, especially after cutting grass and you get out there and you're hot and you're sweaty. There's just something about getting that lemonade. It tastes so good. It's just very simple to make. It doesn't take a whole lot of things to make lemonade. I mean, it's three ingredients. You get yourself some lemons, you get yourself some water, and then you find yourself some sugar. Once you do that, you can make lemonade. And it will be sweet, it will be refreshing, and it will be the thing that you're desiring. I mean, have you ever just had lemon water, just taking lemon and just squirting it in your mouth, watching kids eat lemons at the tables at the restaurant as you're waiting, and the faces they make? I mean, when you just have straight lemon juice, there's nothing refreshing about that. But when you add that sugar and water to the lemon, it is a refreshing drink, and it's it's easier to even swallow. It doesn't give you that sour face that you would have. You know, sugar gives it a much different taste, doesn't it? A taste that is sweet and not sour. I mean, do you guys remember that old phrase that when life gives you lemons, you make, let's say it together, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. You know, the origin of this wise saying came uh, from a guy named Elbert Hubbard. And just like you, I grew up hearing that statement a lot over my lifetime because it's true, isn't it? Sometimes life will give us lemons. Sometimes it'll give us these difficult situations that tend to be sour. And we can take those lemons, those sour moments in our lives, and we can make something that has a much better taste like lemonade. You know, for instance, right now, every one of us, we've all been given lemons, haven't we? That's why we're not gathered together in the church this morning. We're all in our homes practicing social distancing. This is what we're doing. And lots of things have changed over these past seven days since we were last together at the church. I mean, this week, many of you became homeschool teachers. Some of you have been uh, quarantined. I mean, all of us have been quarantined, and we're all working from home, and social distancing has happened, which is always an introvert's dream, isn't it? That they don't have to be around all these people. I mean, would you agree with me when I say that we were handed a pile of lemons. And for many of us, these pile of lemons that we received this week have just left a sour taste in our mouths. But we have a decision to make. I mean, do we just eat our sour lemons or do we drink and make lemonade? I mean, if we settle for lemons, then we're going to end up with some sour phases and sour lives. But if we make lemonade out of the sour lemons then we're going to find ourselves refreshed. I want us to look at some scriptures as we start this new series. And in this, what we're going to find is that Bible has a lot to say about receiving lemons in life. You know, scripture tells us about tough times and what they can produce in our lives when we go through these tough times. And a matter of fact, Paul's letter to the church in Rome, he says this in Romans chapter 5. And you can follow along with it. He says, we can rejoice. We can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, Paul says, for we know that they help us to develop endurance. And this endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Now, I want you to understand a little bit of background here because when you first read that, it's kind of a weird thing happening. But when we understand the context of what Paul, the situation that he's writing in, the background that he's writing in, we can begin grasping and understanding more of what this scripture is really trying to tell us. See, Paul here is writing to the Romans. He's on his third missionary journey. He's in Corinth right now. 
And this was during the time of the Emperor Nero. Now, Nero is a bad guy. This is his first year in office. If you go back in history and read Roman history and read about Nero, you're going to learn that he would do things to Christians for the fun of it. He would persecute them. There are numerous stories of Nero taking Christians, putting tar on their bodies, hanging them from poles and lighting them, and they would provide light for their parties. And this was the kind of guy that the Christian church was dealing with, that they were being persecuted left and right. They were truly facing trials and persecution was going on. There's even some stories where Nero would take these wild beasts that were dead and would cut them open and put Christians inside these carcasses, sew them back up, and then throw them to the wild dogs so that the Christians would be killed. And they did it all for sport. I mean, it was just a brutal murder of Christians as the thousands of Romans would stand and cheer on the deaths of these Christians. These are the people, this is the audience that Paul's writing to. This is what they're going uh, face-to-face with in their culture. So they have been handed a lot of lemons that they're trying to deal with, really sour lemons. I think it's fair for us to say that life for them was not good or even safe. They were killed for sport all because they followed Jesus. With that background in mind, hear what Paul's saying to the people. When you look back in verse 2, he says, we can rejoice too. Now, pick up that word for a second. We can rejoice too. And when we run into problems and trials, I mean, rejoice. That word to me seems like that's out of place, doesn't it? I mean, because it's followed by these words of problems and trials. And Paul's writing from a place of understanding. I mean, Paul's been on both sides of this. He's been on the persecution side where he was the one killing Christians. And now he's on the other side where he now has a target on his back because he is a follower of Jesus. So he's writing this from a place of understanding. And you have to remember that he's also um, in this place trying to motivate and help move the church forward however that he possibly can because these people, along with him, are experiencing this persecution. So hearing these words, the people are now tuned in. They're listening because Paul's using this terminology of rejoice, problems, and trials in the same sentences. So Paul goes on to explain himself now that he has their attention. He says this in verse 1. He says, for we know. There's confidence there. He says, for we know that they help us. And he's referring back to the problems and the trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Paul says, we know. This is an interesting word in the Greek here because we would think that we know because we studied this. We know because we read this. But the actual understanding of we know is this, is that you've experienced this. It's personal. It's not something that we read and heard from somebody else. This is a personal experience that we know. Like, we've experienced something in the full, abundant manner is what it means in Greek. In other words, you know what I'm saying because you have experienced this. It's not something that you read about, but instead it's something that you lived out in your life. So Paul's saying, take confidence in the fact that you know that what I'm saying is true. You've all been there. We know because we've experienced this together. We have mourned together. We have cried. We have celebrated together. We have experienced 
the full, the full weight of what is happening. And so Paul's telling them that when we do this, when we take confidence in the fact that we know that we've experienced this, the problems and the trials that we went through, that those things have developed an endurance. They've, in, they've developed for us a perseverance to keep on moving forward with what God has called us to. And so at this point in the letter, the people are kind of perked up. you got to remember, this is a letter being read and written to them. And the people have perked up because they're like, hey, that's right. Amen. We got it. We want to be in agreement with you, Paul. We know exactly what you're saying. And he says that when you, when you understand this, when you know that you're confident, that there's this chain of events that begin to transform your life, when you know this. And what we find is when we, when we understand it and our life begins to be transformed in the middle of the problems and the trials, this is where the sugar begins to be poured in the lemon juice and in the water. Look what Paul says in verse 4. He says, An endurance, endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Did you catch that? Paul says that suffering, suffering brings hope. It's a crazy, there's all kinds of crazy words that are being said here by Paul, but he says suffering brings hope. Rather than God isn't there or God doesn't care or God is just way too busy or distant. What Paul's saying is what if God is actually in the mess and he intends to use what you're going through? Have you ever thought about that? Like for instance, what if God is using the spread of COVID-19 to bring people unto him? Now I'm not saying that God caused this. I'm not saying that God threw this on people of the world. But I'm saying, what if he's taken what is happening? Because COVID-19 is a result of sin. Everything in Genesis chapter 1 was great. There was no sickness. Genesis chapter 2, sin enters the world. And everything that was created in perfection is no longer there. But what if God can use things even as bad and as deadly as COVID-19 to bring people unto him? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, here's what I believe that God is saying in Romans chapter 5. You ready for this? Because this is what I called. I believe that often our focus, when we're going through trials and problems, often our focus is on this. What is this suffering doing to me? We become very self-centered when we go through trials and problems because we're worried about us. And it's okay to do soul care and take care of yourself. But it's the wrong question and when we're asking is, what is this suffering doing to me? Because here's God's focus. This is what God's saying. What is this suffering doing in you? See, suffering brings growth. It brings salvation. It brings hope. It brings a chance for us to rejoice. See, for you and me, we have to understand that God is ultimately concerned with what is happening in you and ultimately what he's going to do through you. As I look through the landscape of where we are right now, quarantine, social distancing, I'm asking the question is, what is this suffering? What is this quarantine? What is God doing in me through all of this? What is he doing through his church? I love what Pastor Rick Warren said once. He said that God is more concerned with your character than he is your comfort. And you know what? Pastor Rick is right. He's right that God is more concerned with our character than our comfort. And every time that we forget that character is one of God's purposes for our life. And when you forget that, you'll begin to become frustrated by your circumstances. 
And you'll wonder, why is this happening to me? Why am I having such a difficult time? And one answer is that life, life's supposed to be difficult. I mean, Jesus even said that you and I would have difficulties in life. It's the difficulties, it's the lemons that enables us to be able to grow, to be able to, to stretch and become everything that God has designed us to be. You know, we'll quote often John 10, verse 10, that Jesus came to give us this abundant life. And Jesus did come to give us abundant life. But many Christians, I believe, misinterpret Jesus' promise of abundant life to mean that God's come to give us this perfect health and a comfortable lifestyle and a constant happiness. It's, we're going to be full of realization of our dreams. And we're going to have instant relief of any problem that we have if we just pray. But this is what we would call a self-absorbed perspective, isn't it? In this self-absorbed perspective, it treats God as, as if he's a genie who just simply exists to serve you and to serve me in our selfish pursuit of personal fulfillment. But God's not our servant. And if we fall for the idea that life's supposed to be easy, then you'll either become severely disillusioned or you'll live in denial of what real reality is. The lemons and lemonade phrase can create some self-reliant optimism, can't it? But you just have to change your thinking and try harder, and good things will happen. That's, that's what we believe. But Scripture does not give that expectation as the end game. God is the one who brings about goodness and maturity and ultimately the lemonade from the lemons of life. Now, when we can fully grasp what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 5, what you and I will find is that hope, we're going to find hope that will not lead to disappointment because he says here in Romans chapter 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. That's the proclamation. This hope will not lead to disappointment. For, listen to this word again, for we know, there's a confidence, we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I love this, that Paul is reassuring us. He's reassuring us of this biblical hope, this God-given hope that God gives us. It's not wishing for good luck or hoping for the best when we're handed lemons. It does not put us to shame. It's a hope that, that is we will not be forgotten. We will not be disappointed. There is no fear for us in thinking that God's going to show up one day and shrug his divine shoulders and say, sorry, bud, I really tried, but I couldn't pull it off. No, no, no. He's good, and he's strong enough to keep every one of the promises that he has made. So when we go through the trials and problems, and we handed these sour lemons, he gives us this lemonade. And now, how do we, how do we know? How do we know this? Well, we know that God has fully redeemed us because of what he's done. Did you catch that piece? That we know that God has redeemed us because of what he has done. He has, meaning this is past tense. He has poured his love out on us. This, is, this phrase is only used a couple of times, this, this phrase pour in the New Testament. And every time that it's used, it's in reference to God giving the Holy Spirit. And here's the emphasis. The emphasis is on what the Spirit brings us. There is a strong sense of God's love for us 
there's an assurance of perseverance. And I want to close with this verse from James chapter 1. James says something very similar that Paul says. Because James, the brother of Jesus, he too understands these trials and these hardships. And in James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, he says this, Consider it pure, he uses a different word, he says consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters. He makes it personal that we're a family. We're a family unit here. And we're all going through the same things. Hey, together church, we're all going through the same things right now. We're all quarantined. We're all having to learn homeschool. We're all learning how to live in this social distance society for the next couple of weeks. But look what Paul is even, or James is even telling us. Consider it a joy. Consider it a joy that whenever you face trials of many kinds, it doesn't matter what the trial is. He says, because you, and he uses this term again, because you know there's a confidence because we've experienced the goodness of God at some point in our life. And he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces this perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and be complete, not lacking anything. Lemons. Lemons in a biblical context should bring us closer to God and mature us as his people. From James, we see that hard times, they help us mature when we frame them right and see them for what they are. It's not about what's happening to me, but it's what's happening through me. I heard a quote years ago from a pastor, and I jotted it down, I put it in my Bible. But it says this, that joy is not what is happening to me, but what is happening in and through me. See, perhaps the lemons that you've been given, the ones that you've been given this week, that you're struggling with right now, maybe, maybe they're going to help you slow down a little bit from your busy schedule. Maybe they're going to help you to be able to spend more time with God, rethink your priorities, serve, Pray for other people, other people who are going through a hard time too. We have to remember that these lemons are an avenue for spiritual growth. And it's that spiritual growth, that's the lemonade. That's how we take the sour lemons and turn it into lemonade. And when we do that, it will be refreshing and complete and joyful. If you remember last weekend, we, we talked about this verse from the words of Jesus in John chapter 16. This is the message version, but I love it. And it serves as a reminder of dealing with these lemonade and lemon concept. But Jesus says, by trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you'll continue to experience the difficulties. You can count on that. But... You take heart because I have conquered the world. That's the promise of Jesus. No matter where you are this morning, you're dealing with the lemons. What God wants you to do is just pause for a moment. Think about the experiences that God has intervened in your life, the goodness that he's given you. Focus on that for a moment because that's the, the anchor of hope that's going to get you through the next few weeks or a few days or a few months or however long this may be. 
But God's not surprised. He's not shaken. But he's going to use us to grow his church and to grow us into everything that he's called us to be. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person that's joining us online today. Lord, as we don't know what the, the next couple of weeks look like for us, what we do know is that you are a God who is consistent and will always be. You're the God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we place our hope in that. Lord, as we are sitting here holding lemons, we pray for your Holy Spirit to intervene to show us what it is that you want us to learn during this time, that we may experience spiritual growth, that we will serve our neighbor like we've never served before. We will pray for people like we've never prayed before, and that we will love you like we've never loved before. So God, just stretch us and grow us and use us in this time. And we thank you for everything that you're going to do. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining the Together Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information on our church or even more sermons, you can always visit us at wearetogether.church.